and could help him out. And he would go and he would bring things home, but he didn't really know what he was talking about. I think we'd ask him about lessons and it was kind of all over the top of his head. And Kayla pointed out a good thing. There was just lessons that what they were talking about reading the Bible stuff that just he can't comprehend that way. That's not how his brain works. They would talk about things that he just did not know what they were talking about. And they'd always like ask him to read things from the Bible, which was like, it's hard for him. And so um, I know that Jesus knows Noah, but I wanted a way that Noah could know Jesus. And so I kind of was praying about it, at least where I was at with it, and um, hoping that we would find a place so he'd want to go to church and he'd want to be part of it and he'd want to find what made him happy. And so he went the first day and he wants to go every time now. And then your projects. I think the projects are just easier. Whatever he comes with now, now it's projects that he can do. It's hands-on. He has somebody there. We don't have that same kind of stress that you have as a parent when you Put your kid in an environment where you're not 100% sure what's going to happen. Um, but now it's like he wants to come and he's like, oh, I'm, I'm ready to go into the to the treasure box. And he, he runs right in here. And I think as a parent, you know, having a place where your kid's going to be safe and you know, you know, you know that they're being taken well care of is, is awesome. Like our family is awesome. And then being part of Northgate, but being part of, like we said, like, like God's children, like we're a part of all this now. And so I knew I had a place and I felt like I belonged. And then Brennan came to the church and he became part of it. And then Kayla became part of the middle school. We all had our place. And so when we would go, we were all like fired up for Jesus and had our place. And I'm just excited that now he has his place. And so he can find a place where he belongs. And now he can realize that he's not just part of our family and he doesn't have his friend family, but he's also part of the church family and this just the family, you know, kingdom of God and everything too. You know, he's different and kids know that. And when he's here, he's accepted and he is loved. And he, I think that he just, it's when he, I feel he just is himself. You know, he's really a lot more shy and reserved, but when he comes here and he's just, there's an easiness to him. Um, and he just, I don't know, he just more like, just happier, like in general. He just seems happier at home. Especially when we come in um, on a Sunday, you know, after church, we like to go out to lunch or we like to go do stuff. And he's, he's there's like a kind of a calm, which for him is awesome because there's not a lot of days where we have a lot of calm spirits. pretty cool, right? That's pretty cool. That's the treasure box, and we're so excited to be uh, partnering uh, here at Bethel and just uh, what God's going to do and what he's continuing to do through this. And um, man, I, I just, I love, there was a line in there that she said, um, I know Jesus knows him, but I want him to have a space where he can know Jesus. And church is for everybody, yeah? Is that true? So my friends, I'm so excited because in times like these, it's only possible, capable that the church rises up and does these great things when we give generously. So my friends, are you ready? You know what to do. You're learning because we're excited about what God does when we're generous. So my friends, this is our generous giving time. All right. All right. Some of you are getting it. Some of you are getting it. You're like, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll give a golf clap for that. That's fine. We'll get there. 
Um, and I'm going to ask the uh, ushers, they can come forward and receive the offering right now as they talk. Um, we believe three things about our, our tithes and our offerings. Our tithes and our offerings are proportional to our income, they're a priority, and they're planned. And so when you give uh, to the church as part of this organization uh, and, and being a part of the church in a generous way, uh, what it does is it definitely transforms lives. Because things like the treasure box and other spaces, uh, that could not happen unless people were generous. And this building and this space and these people here all around, and you can start receiving the offering now. Um, and this building and this space and these people here would not be here if it wasn't for years and years and years of generosity, you know? I was talking to somebody who goes, yeah, my car is up in these beams here. I literally, I looked up, I was like, are you serious? And he goes, no, I was going to buy a car, but I believe that the, pl- the church needed a place to praise his name in the city of San Francisco. And so for so long, we have been doing what Pastor Ken says, and that's been paving the way for people who are not yet here. And that does not mean that we do not have an important job in this. Our job is to be generous, to live and give generously and be a part of that. So that's what the offering is doing today. We're so glad that you're a part of that. And uh, we're starting a brand new series today called Everybody Always, and uh, I'm very, very thankful for that. Uh, So you're going to hear that from Pastor Ken, but just before, we've got a few announcements to go through, so why don't you watch the screen. Good morning, Bethel. We are so excited that you're joining us today. We would love the opportunity to connect with you, and a simple way that we get to do that is through our connection cards. They are located in the pew right in front of you. Some of us might be sitting in these seats for the very first time today. And if that's you, I want to invite you to do something really simple with this connection card today. Once service is over, bring it out to the lobby. There's a welcome desk right before you walk out. At that welcome desk, we have a special gift to say thanks for checking us out. But we also want to give you an invite to join us again and answer any questions you might have. If it's your second or third time with us, or maybe you've been coming for a while and you've never let us know that you're here. We would love to see you over there. We have another gift, but more importantly, we want to hear how your time has been so far, answer any questions that have come up between your first visit and now, and ultimately, we just want to connect with you. If you've been with us for a while, you can still use that same card to get in touch with us. Maybe you're interested in joining a ministry team. You can let us know on that card. You can also write down your prayer requests and praises so that we can join you in prayer for what is happening in your life. So please utilize that card and let us know how we can be praying for you this week. Confident Living meets on Wednesday nights here at Bethel. If you didn't get a chance to sign up, we would still love for you to join. This is a great way to meet new people and build community here at Bethel. It's an encouraging time of digging into God's word. Sign-ups are out in the lobby, so if you haven't signed up yet, please head out there after service. We are so glad you're joining us today. Now let's welcome Pastor Ken. That was my fault. Thank you. Uh, as Pastor Jesse mentioned, we are starting a brand new series called Everybody Always. And if you want to read a book filled with incredible stories, but also very challenging and thought-provoking, I'd encourage you to pick up this copy. We're not making them available. You can get them on your own. But it's called Everybody Always. And it's all about learning how to love. It's written by a guy named Bob Goff. And he talks about not just learning how to love, but actually becoming love. And, um, and, and loving people without hesitation, without restrictions, but learning how to love. And that's a huge, huge, huge topic. Um, and, and, and the thing about it is, is I, you know, like, for instance, I love God, and I love my family, and I love my church family, and I love Maui tacos. 
<laughs> and I love Maui sunset. Like, I pretty much love everything about the island of Maui. Um, there's a lot of things that I love. I love sailing. I love football. I even love 49er football when they're one and five and they keep shooting themselves in the foot with needless penalties. They've lost their starting quarterback and running back, but I still love them. (laughs) See, we use that one word, love, to express so many different senses of affection or pursuits or or, or, or just so many different things. And, And because we use that one word in so many different ways to describe so many different things, I think it kind of loses its meaning. It loses its impact on our lives because we use it in so many different ways. And yet, this is absolutely the most important thing that we could ever learn. Jesus said that it is by this that all will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. The Apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthian church. He said it, it's so important that it doesn't matter what I believe or what I do or how I think. If I don't have love, I am nothing. So the most important thing that we could ever learn as Christ followers is how to become love. It is our top priority. It is mission critical. It is the most important thing about our following of Christ. And and that's why Jesus talks so much about it. And and today we're going to look at a passage that is probably one of the more definitive passages about love. Not 1 Corinthians 13, but it's found in John's first letter. And if you want to turn there, it's in 1 John chapter 4. Let me read to you what he read. Uh, what he wrote. Then you can follow along, or if you want to just listen, that's fine too. But listen to these words. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Verse 16, God is love. Whoever loves lives in God and God in them. This is, how God, this is how love is made complete among us so that when we, so we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates his brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love her brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Now, in 27 verses, or in 15 verses, 27 times he talks about love. Saying this is, this is the most important thing that we could possibly learn. This is, like I said, mission critical to who we are as followers of Christ. So no matter what else we do, we better get this right. Because if we don't get this right, nothing else we'd say, do, or believe really is going to matter. So how do we become 
love? Well, John gives us some insights, and I kind of think of, think of it in three movements. The first is coming to the realization that God himself is love, that love springs from the character of God. It is, it is his essence. It is not just one of his qualities. He is love. He says, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. It is his nature. It is his essence. God cannot not love. And his love is unconditional. It doesn't depend on you or me being lovable. He loves because he loves. Now, the thing is, we long for that love, but what we often settle for is approval. Have you noticed that? Deeply, what we long for more than anything else in life is, is to be loved. But, but we often settle for approval. And that even translates into our relationship with God. See, I grew up, I grew up in this church. I grew up going to Sunday school. I grew up doing you know, Sunday school quarterlies and filling in all the blanks and getting the star on the chart. And we had these things called sword drills. I don't know if you do these anymore. But back when I was a kid, we had these things that were called sword drills because your Bible is sharper than a two-edged sword. Okay, And so what we would do is we would hold our Bible on our hands, and, and then the Sunday school teacher would give us the reference to the verse, you know, 1 John 3.16, and then, then we would say, charge, and then whoever could find the verse first, they got to stand up, and they got to read the verse. I was so good at sword drills, they actually put me in a handicap. They made me put my Bible underneath my chair. I was really good at this, and all along, and nobody ever gave me, I don't know, nobody ever said this to me, but I always had this kind of idea that this makes me more lovable to God, and it doesn't, (laughs) because he doesn't love me because I'm good at sword drills. He doesn't love me because I've got the right theology. He loves me because he's love. Something I heard a number of years ago. In fact, it was so impactful on me that I wrote it on the inside of my Bible, my paper Bible. <laughs> now I use my online Bible. But, but inside there, and I wrote these words because they were so impactful for me. And the word is simply this. There is nothing that you can do that will make God love you any more than he already does. And there is nothing you can do that will make him love you any less. See, that's the unconditional nature of his love for you. And it's not about approval, and it's not about earning it. You cannot earn it. You cannot deserve it. It comes from the very essence of God. John keeps reminding this over and over and over again. He says, God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. Now, we have that one word, love, but the ancient Greeks actually had about seven different words to describe different types of love. And, and four are kind of the, the most well-known ones. And, and love would, there was one love would be called eros, eros. And it's about passionate, emotional love, sexual love. And then there's storge. Storge is affection and, and empathy, kind of a love of country kind of love. And then there was phileo. Phileo would be described um, a, a deep friendship, um, a kind of a mutual friendship, kind of like Barney the purple dinosaur, you know, love. I love you, you love me, we're one happy, you know, Barney, okay? That, see, that, that, but, but then there's this other word, and it wasn't actually all that well used, except that the first century Christians grabbed onto this one word and used it to describe the kind of love that God has for us. And the word is agape. And it is an unconditional, never-ending, 
self-sacrificial love. And that's the love that John is talking about here. It is a love of God for us. And, and by the way, that means because it's unconditional and it's undeserved, that God doesn't have any favorites. Now, if you're a parent, you know that you love each of your kids, but you love each of them in a different way. And, and I grew up with three other siblings. There were four of us in our household. Of course, I was the firstborn, so I knew I was their favorite. But they were really careful not to let on to that. And they were very careful about being, being fair to everybody, you know. And I always thought I was the favorite because I was the firstborn, you know. And, and then I grew up. And then actually I grew up. I got married, moved out of the house. My sisters grew up. Both of them married, moved out of the house. And then we found out who the favorite was. It was my youngest brother. Because he got to go on these Caribbean cruises with them and bear boating, chartering, and all these things that we never got to do. <laughs> and all of a sudden I thought, I'm not the favorite like I thought I was. See, God doesn't have any favorites. He loves every one of us equally because it comes from his nature. Now, when you understand that, then it's that unconditional love, that that's what comes alive in us through the grace of God. See, we're created in God's image, so being created in God's image means we have the capacity to love. There is that, that sense of love within us because that's part of being created in his image. But it truly comes alive when we experience his grace. This is what John is writing about. He says, we love because he first loved us. See, it's his grace extended to us that awakens and enlivens this capacity to love in ourselves. His love expressed to us in Christ makes it come alive in our own lives. So John goes on. He says, this is love. Not that we loved God but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And so now that love, that unconditional, self-sacrificial kind of love is something that can be produced and, and given out freely from us. See, I, I, I can fool myself into thinking that I'm really good at loving other people when I love the people who love me back. I can fool myself into thinking that I'm a truly loving person when I'm really good at loving people who know that I love them. But Jesus took it beyond that. The real test of my love is not how good I'm loving at the people who love me back or the people that appreciate that I love them. The real test of my love is my love for my neighbor, my love for my enemies. See, that's the challenge. That's real love. That's the unconditional, unselfish, sacrificial love. Dallas Willard defines love this way. It is the will to do good. When we love someone, we promote them for their own sake, not for what we get back, not for any other reason, but simply for their benefit and for their sake. See, true love is self-sacrificial. It expects nothing in return. And that kind of love, that kind of love only comes about by the grace of God at work in our lives. See, true love is risky. True love is about vulnerability and giving myself up. I mean, think about this. Here's how we know this. The very first time you said to someone, that special someone in your life, for the very first time, I love you. And what you are hoping for in that moment, because you just made yourself totally vulnerable and you took a risk and you put it out there because you're the first one to say it, and you are hoping, you are hoping that you get back, I love you too. 
Because if you take that chance and you take that risk and you say it out there, I love you, and somebody comes back at you with, that's nice. (laughs) It's not exactly what I was going for there, you know? See, that little bit of risk in expressing your love in just that one way, that tells you what true love is all about. It is taking a risk. It is loving the one who doesn't love you back. It's putting aside my rights and my agendas and and, and my interests for the sake of somebody else. And that's a different kind of love. That's the kind of love that only comes by the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. That is the work that the grace of God does. And that's that's the kind of love that, that we need to learn to express. And and there's a lot of risk involved in that, and there's a lot of fear involved in that. Because if I love people in that way and they don't return that love, that kind of leaves me at a deficit. If I love somebody and what I get back is hatred or animosity or anger or something else, if I try to love an enemy and they take advantage of me, I mean, where does that leave me? See, that risk creates a fear, and so we hold back our love. But John wrote, there's no fear in love because perfect love drives out fear. And here's the proof of it. Every one of us in this room who have put our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ, we know that that kind of love really does work. See, because the thing that won me over, the thing that that got me to put my faith and trust in him was knowing his love for me. That was the clincher and if we can express love in a self-sacrificial way without expecting anything in return or even in spite of what we might get in return that is the kind of love that God wants to bring about in our own lives that's the kind of love he wants us to bring into this world and what happens is that love now grows in us when we start to extend it to others see that's how God brings about that love in us he puts us in those relationships where we have to love even when we don't get love back He puts us in those situations at work when we have to love someone who is out to get our job or or speaks bad about us. See, those are the kinds of things that would keep us from loving, and yet when we take that step of love, regardless of what the outcome might be, that's when true love grows within us. God planted it in us when he created us, and he made it come alive through the grace of God, through Jesus Christ. But now he says, now you cultivate that for your own life. You move out and you act in love. This is what he says. Since God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. See, that's the only conceivable option. When you've been loved the way we have been loved by God, there's only one response to that. So extend that love to someone else. Jesus, on the last night that he spent with his followers, he gathered those 12 guys together, and they had a a meal together. And it was during that meal that he got up, and he he tied a towel around his waist and took a pitcher and washed their feet and served them. And and then at the end of all of that, he, he said, do you understand what I've just done for you? Now, you do this for one another. In fact, he says, a new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you so you must love one another. Now, that's not a new command. That had been in, back in the Old Testament. The new part about it was, as I have loved you, love one another. And if you can kind of put yourself in that room that night, as Jesus looks around at these 12 guys that have spent the last three years with him, and he turns to Matthew and he says, Matthew, 
Matthew, remember what you were doing the day I called you? Yeah, Lord, I, I was a tax collector. Do you remember how people treated you because of your collaboration with the Roman government and the oppressive taxes and, and the usury and all that stuff that you did there? You remember how people treated you and what people thought about you? Oh, yeah, Lord, I remember. And what did I do? You loved me. You called me to follow you. Nathaniel. Daniel, remember first time we met? Remember those things you said about me and my hometown, Nazareth? Did anything good come from there? Remember that, Nathaniel? Remember how you, you, know, you kind of had this askance look at me? How did I treat you? You love me, Lord. Peter. Peter, Peter, Peter. Remember when you got out of the boat and you were doing so well? And then you took your eyes off me for that moment and you started noticing everything else around you and you began to sink? What did I do? Lord, you pulled me back up. And you loved me. And you can think about your own experience. Those times when you felt like a failure. Those times when you feel like you've disappointed. And you wonder how God could possibly love you. That's the kind of love he wants us to show to one another. As I have loved you, so you love one another. And here's the reason why it's so compelling. No one has ever seen God, John writes. But if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. In other words, the only way that people are going to know this love of God is if you and I show it to them. The only way that we know the love of God is because God showed it to us through Jesus Christ. And he says, now that love is made complete in us. And those who don't know him will come to know his love if we love one another. You see, the early Christians, the early Christians, those first century Christians, they had no political clout. They had no influence. They had no power. They were, they were kicked out of the temple as far as their Jewish religion and heritage came to. They were considered traitors to the, to the empire. They were arrested. They were thrown in jail. They were fed to lions. All of those kinds of things. They had no influence, no clout, no political power whatsoever. You know what they did have? Love. And they loved their accusers. And they loved their oppressors. And they loved their enemies. They loved one another. They loved the people around them. And they changed the world. Jesus said, this is the one thing people will know you by as followers of me. Your love for one another. So here's where I want to kind of bring it down real practical. You've got your sermon notes out there. I'd like you to make kind of a hashtag there on your paper. Like that. No, we're not going to play tic-tac-toe. But put this down. No, take, come on. Take out your paper. Do the little hashtag. All right? And in that center square, put the word me. And then what I'd like you to do in at least eight other squares, put down the names of your neighbors. It might be the neighbor that lives next door to you. 
or across the street from you. It might be the neighbor that works in the cubicle next to yours. It might be the neighbor that sits in a desk next to you at school. I don't know where it is, but, but come up with at least eight different neighbors that you can put around you. Write their names in right now. This is going to be very, very practical. And then let's start asking yourself this week. Take that paper, put it up on your bathroom mirror so you see it first thing in the morning when you get ready for work or for school or, or put it you know, on the dashboard of your car, wherever you're going to see it, first thing in the morning. And start your day praying for your neighbors and just praying, God, show me how to love Ted today. Show me how to love Kevin today. See, these are my neighbors. Ted. Kevin, Deborah, Sue, Silvio. Those are my neighbors. Those are the people on my, my little circle there. And just begin your day, Lord, how can I show love to this person and that person? And here's why. John said, this is how love is made complete among us. In this world, we are like Jesus. So for the next five weeks... We're going to discover together how to become love. And I want to close with just this reading from Bob's book. He said, God's idea isn't just that we would give and isn't that we would just <laughs> try it again. God's idea isn't that we would just give and receive love, but that we would actually become love. People who are becoming love see the beauty in others, even when their off-putting behavior makes for a pretty weird mask. What Jesus told his friends can be summed up in this way. He wants us to love everybody always. Jesus wrapped it up, this concept, in simple, seemingly, three seemingly impossible ideas for us to follow. Love him, love your neighbor, and love your enemies. I want to love God more fully. I really do. Who wouldn't? I want to love my neighbors too. Why not? I live next door to some of them. Overall, they're kind of like me. But love my enemies? Sure, I'll tolerate them for a while. I might be nice to them for a couple of minutes, but love them? Yikes. In the simplest term, Jesus came to earth and declared that he would turn God's enemies into his friends. And he didn't do it with $20 words or lectures by, or by waving a bony finger at people who had made mistakes. He convinces us with love, and he does it without fear or shame. He doesn't raise his voice and shout over all the noise in our lives. He just lets the power of love do all the talking for him. We have the same shot in other people's lives every single day. Would you bow your heads with me? Imagine if, imagine if the church of Jesus Christ would get this right. Love everyone, always, everybody, Always, no exceptions, no hesitations, no restrictions. Just loving people. I don't know about you, but that is a challenging concept to me. Because <laughs> there's some people in my life that are just really hard to love. But imagine, imagine if we did it. Imagine the difference it would make in our cities, in our neighborhoods, in our families. So today, maybe you're here and you've forgotten that God has an unconditional love for you and you've been settling for approval and you've been trying to earn something with him and you've failed and you feel like there's no hope for me. Like we say often, 
There's nothing so broken that God cannot mend it. Maybe you're here today and you've wandered far from God. Maybe this is your first time back in a church in years. And you needed to hear today, God still loves you. Because there's no one so lost that God cannot find them. I really believe that. It's the power of his love. So if you're here today and there's a part of you that just has a hard time believing that God could possibly love you. Or if you're here today and you're, you're rejoicing in the fact that God loves you, but you find it difficult to love your neighbor. Or even maybe harder to love your enemy. And you would just be willing to admit that today. And say, God, let your love show through me to the people on my piece of paper this week. Maybe you're here today and you never experienced the love of God. Today you can take a first step into his love and his mercy and grace. You don't have to earn your way with him. He's done it all. What you do need to do is put your trust in him. Quit trying to fix yourself. And whether it's a first-time decision or just a renewal of your decision, today I want you to join me in this prayer. Lord, thank you for your great love for me. I don't deserve it. I didn't earn it. Thank you for your reckless love. Thank you for coming to find me when I was lost. I give you my life fully and freely. And I pray, Lord, not just that you would forgive me and and bring me into this love with you. I, I pray that you would use me to love the world around me, starting with my neighbors, starting this week. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me? Hey, we're really glad that you were with us here today. We have prayer partners. I'm going to ask them if they would come on up to the front. If you have need for prayer, um, they're here. They're available. They would love to pray with you for anything that might be going on in your life. Um, That's what they're here about. We also take prayer requests through this card, this connection card that's in the seat pray in front of you. If you would, take a few moments there. And on the back side, if you've got a need, fill that in. We will be praying for you this week. And if it's your first, second, or third time, please give us a chance to connect with you. Um, Take that same connection card. Fill in this information. We have a welcome table. It's right outside and around, um, right behind that wall over there. And uh, stop by. We got a gift for you. Just kind of